welcome to the Writer's Block podcast. I'm writer Polly Roberts and every episode I will be in conversation with another Cornwall-based writer, discussing process, why we write and the part Cornwall plays in our work. I hope you find some wisdom and inspiration in what you hear. The Writer's Block is the creative writing centre for Cornwall. With innovation and creativity at our heart, we offer both a place to write and a unique approach to developing confidence and skills in writing for everyone. Our first guest of 2022 is Rebecca Tantoni, a writer recently returned to Cornwall who's already nesting her way into the Cornish art scene. Rebecca's writing ranges from spoken word to poetry and more recently memoir. She is a creative writing mentor and facilitator, leading workshops for retreats, community projects, us at the Writer's Block, as well as independently. Rebecca describes herself as driven to understand the messy and wild human experience in greater depth. We had a deep and meaningful discussion about her journey to becoming an established writer and the process of writing. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Rebecca, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. How are you doing today? Have you had a day full of writing? Well, I have had part of a day of writing, so... um, I was with the students in Red Roof that I've been teaching for the past eight weeks and um, they performed their writing to an audience today, so to friends and family. So I was there with them, yeah, this afternoon, which was incredible, very, yeah, quite emotional actually, just seeing Mm. the changes in them and, and the confidence and the skill that they've accumulated in such a short amount of time. So yeah, I was with them and then I was doing lots of admin for, you know, various projects and things throughout the day. And then I got home around five and then I actually sat down and I wrote for about an hour. Do you manage to find a little bit of time every day to write? Well, I'm trying to at the moment because I'm on a bit of a deadline and yeah, I'm I'm working on something which has taken my attention I guess so I'm really trying to commit to that you know even if it's like a few hundred words a day but just something um it's definitely not every day and I don't think it needs to be you know I think there's a lot that can fill in the gap as well when you're writing to inspire you you know walks and reading other people's work and conversation and stepping away from it can be just as valuable as being in it Absolutely. I've I've kind yeah. of been reminded of that recently because I was having this period where I was I was feeling as though it was a fallow period. Mm. And then I remembered, hang on a second, there's so much else to writing other than just sitting down at a desk mm. or wherever you sit down and, and putting the words on the paper that actually that moment of reading someone else's work or like you say, going on a walk, they're all what drives the fuel to then get to that point where you're putting words on paper yeah definitely but it's hard to remember that because when you're not writing and you want to be or you're meant to be then you get the fear and you're like oh no I'm never gonna write again or like what's wrong with me and it's hard to kind of just step back isn't it and put the focus on something else Mm. but yeah it's really valuable yeah i it's interesting. I was. It was one of the things I was going to ask was whether you actually have ever had that fear, that feeling mm. of, oh my god, I might never write again. Mm. 
so often actually and I I do think I've reached the point now doing it for this long that I know I can trust that I will and actually yeah. I do fall back on that nowadays yeah. you know but so many times over the years I've had the thought of like right back to university and you know assignments creative writing assignments or academic assignments up until yeah, yeah now really that thought of can I finish this on time? Can I mm. can I produce what I need to? Can I ever actually articulate what it is that I mm. so deeply want to say? So yeah, those fears yeah. do still arise, but there is a sense of trust definitely that has surfaced over the years that I've done it enough times now to pretty much know that I'll pull something off. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, I think it is it's a practice it's a process and yeah the longer we do it I guess the more the closer we become to trusting that we know how it goes and and everything yeah. you just mentioned I think well hang on that's an important part of the process all of mm. those little moments along the way are what lead you to being able to come up with the next idea you know it needs that moment of pulling back and thinking oh I don't know how this is working anymore whether this is the direction I want to be taking or what's going on here to be mm. able to keep finding that drive that keeps moving forward I, I remember yeah. hearing someone saying that they thought writing was a bit like self-actualizing that you you didn't ever want to actually self-actualize you needed that feeling of searching and mm. confusion and questioning mm. in order to keep going mm, I don't I like know if you that. relate to that at all. oh my god yes definitely it's um yeah, it's definitely how the process looks for me. It's such a push and pull and it is chaotic and peaceful and kind of, yeah, inclusive of everything. Mm -hmm. And you do need it for sure. And it's easy to reflect on that when you're out of it or when you're sort of in a good period of it. But it's definitely part of the process of writing about the entirety of of existence or, you know, the multitudes of what it is to be human or whatever it is that your focus is absolutely you, you really do need the the all of it don't you yes yeah the, yeah yeah it's not gonna just be a single thing I, I'm wondering about the things that keep you writing then as in part of that process you've mentioned deadlines a couple times mm. are, are you someone that works quite well to have a deadline do you know I am I really am and um I think it just gives me some form of accountability that if I'm left to my own devices, I can I can distract myself or I can, yeah, just slightly go off of the track. Whereas if I have deadline, it doesn't even have to be a deadline today. It might be like accountability from another person yeah. or, you know, often it's something that I've just sort of set down myself. But I think because the practice of writing and being a creative is very creation based and very, for me personally, very kind of spontaneous and fluid and emotional and yeah. actually having structure, having kind of rules around it, it supports me to produce and, and to show up better to the page than I would if I was mm. just left in that, the chaos of creation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Do you, um, I, I wonder how you find the balance in that because yeah. I, I think I always created from 
that chaotic place before there was always just a, a drive and a pull and the kind of flames of creativity that would get mm. me writing and then mm. I guess at, later on more as an adult or as a working adult in particular or someone working as a writer mm. there are so many other things asking for my time that I've had to become more structured in order yeah, to make sure exactly. that I maintain that yeah. but sometimes I find I lose that balance between like leaning too far into the structure that the space for that free creativity gets lost a little bit mm. yeah I can relate to that as well do you ever free write I find that always helps with mm. that just expressive creative um yeah. outpouring I think that's yeah. a really good one do you know what is classic where I will would get everybody in any workshop I would run to free write <laughs> and yet I don't actually free write enough myself so that's a really yeah yeah it's such a good one isn't it because it just really you know whether you're you're sort of airing the contents of your head the content of your head before creating or whether you're using it as a sort of springboard to then generate work from I just think it's such a good one to like throw up on the page and get everything out and so yeah that helps and um Yeah, it's a really good point and it's definitely something I relate to and yeah, maybe it's also letting other areas of your life, of my life, of one's life be more spontaneous or creative and so it all kind of feeds into the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I I was actually reading an article about spontaneity the other day and, and how the last two years have almost killed off the last bit of it, having to be that bit more isolated and maybe forgetting what it is just to interact more spontaneously Mm. with the world around you and how are you with just grabbing time to write when you see it available or yeah yeah. I mean it's just something that is prioritized and Mm. yeah similar to you there's so many things that I could you know replace it with that it's such a cliche but you know it's so easy to tidy the house to make the phone call to (laughs) do all the other things because it's so self-governing and it it's so like pulling the contents of your internal landscape outwards and that's not always the easiest thing to do but yeah I just I really remember years ago my you do you know Tim Liade from the yes. poet from Bath Spa. Yeah, I remember he was my MA tutor and I always remember him talking about that like urgency as as poets that we have that if we're not writing that poem that then we're not quite alive or like mm. it doesn't feel like life is being lived really and it sounds so dramatic but I really relate to it. It's yeah. like yeah, when I'm in creative mode and I'm creating I definitely feel my most purposed or at least like yeah without this I'm not quite who I am almost yes um yeah so I guess it's that it's that that you know ultimately keeps driving you to prioritize it and to keep on getting to it you you said earlier that what you're writing at the moment you you feel really committed to I was wondering if Mm. if that's that process you're describing there that Tim was describing is is coming into play in the writing that you're doing the in the at the moment that this new project whether there's a feeling of wanting to get back to the page in order to keep on 
yeah. exploring that thing. There is right now. There wasn't for the previous few months. Um, right. But yeah, I definitely feel... I feel a sense of pull towards it and excitement and, yeah, all the other things that you need to keep showing up. And, mm. yeah, so I'm really enjoying the process at the moment. And I'm working, actually, with a mentor. So I, most oh, of my... Yeah, most of my writing life, it's the other way around and supporting other people. But I'm, um, yeah, I'm working with a mentor, which is incredible. So, um, yeah, I have really enjoyed that. And again, I've got someone who's holding me accountable. And yes. I'm writing to deadlines that we've created. And so, yeah, that's that's been great. It's so interesting. Again, it's, it's like me saying, oh, I would get any participant free write but I wouldn't do it myself and mm. it's that simple thing of oh I would I would offer mentoring and say this is valuable or invaluable and yet mm. it would be so easy to forget hang on that might be yeah. what I need to help yeah. me out. <laughs> totally yeah and we're always learning aren't we like yes. it's it's so easy to be like oh you know I done this for so long or I teach this or but actually there's so much to be learned and so yes. much wisdom that we can offer each other and yeah I find the support be it a course or a book or an individual just so incredible mm. it always has been you know I've had such strong mentors and guidance throughout my career that yeah I don't think that will be something I ever stop sourcing. Mm. I feel like that's a really good point that it's actually important to remain humble in order to keep on being able to create your wonderful work because actually it's the curiosity and that continuous seeking to express better I guess it's back mm. to the self-actualizing tendency mm, yeah. coming into play that yeah, true. that actually keeps the work good yes yeah. absolutely yeah I really agree I'm really curious about, um, so I notice you sign off your emails as writer, curator and facilitator. So mm. is there an equal weighting in those three aspects mm. of your life to you? Um, I mean, all of them contribute to my professional life as a writer. So obviously the writing is is where I the heart of me and the work exterior to that comes because I'm a writer so I teach writing because I'm a writer and I create literary programs because I'm a writer um but yeah you know and the writing is in the form of published work and commissions and projects the creation is something I've done for most of my um career as a writer so I first started out with um, a night in Bristol that was called Shh, It's Sunday and everyone used to think it was called Shit Sunday <laughs> and it definitely wasn't but by the time I like put the posters up I was like oh it's too late now so um, and that was a sort of poetry music night in a, a place in Stokescroft I guess it was about 15 years ago now and it was just so electric, it was free, it was donations, but I was always able to pay all the artists through just passing a hat around. Mm -hmm. And you had people spilling out onto the street who'd come to this night and, you know, we'd often go into the early hours of the morning and 
It was just an amazing event. And then mm -hmm. from there, I sort of went on to program at Shambhala and Bristol Harborside and Bath Literature Festival, um, sorry, Bath Festival, their literature um, poetry mm. program, and various sort of pop-up um, events that I've curated and put programs together for. So yeah, it's something I love, and I love that showcasing and creating a platform for others. And then teaching has also been something throughout my career that's just been there from the beginning. I think I had my first... Um, teaching gig when I was at uni and it was for an organization called Apples and Snakes and it was mm. going into um, a secondary school in Plymouth and teaching teenagers and yeah it's gone through there from yeah. from there so yeah all three of those things definitely feel a very important part of my um, profession for sure. That's amazing and now is that what you full-time do as a living those three elements? Yes, yeah, that's what I've done for quite a long time now. Um, yeah, they, then they are the three main things. And even within them, they branch off to lots of different, as I've said, like it's writing for the page or it's live performance or it's a commission that someone's, um, you know, given to me. Or So it's, it varies, but they are the three main avenues. Yeah, yeah. amazing. It mm. sounds incredible, the event you managed to get going in, Bristol and I having mm. lived there I can really imagine that scene and the want for it I wonder how has that felt different because I believe you left Bristol you came back down to Cornwall mm. a year ago was it or, do you yeah. know just nearly a year now wow. a bit less than that yeah oh it's been so good to me and I actually thought today when I was teaching well I wasn't teaching today I was witnessing the students that I had been teaching that a big part of leaving Bristol was leaving community behind and mm. for me that was friendships but it was my working community that I'd established after so many years you know lots of work in schools or higher education um, different organizations that I yeah just knew of me and I knew of them and really sort of established myself in that sense and coming down mm. here you know, it was a real starting again, but I've just met some amazing creatives, some amazing artists and practitioners and organisations. And yeah, it feels really good to be, um, yeah, to be working here and mm. finding new community and new individuals. It's There's a lot happening in Cornwall, a lot, and a lot of amazing, yeah, art that's that's here. And that's really exciting. Yeah, there is, there is so much here, actually. It, it is kind of startling when you start exploring it. I think it's its own bubble. And in the same way that in Bristol, it can be a bit of a, a bubble, but it's more talked about and more shared, perhaps. Mm. And do you feel like it... Were you originally from Cornwall? I can't remember. No, I did yeah. move here in my sort of late teens. Um, right. And I lived here for a few years when I, you know, uni age, but I went to uni later and right. left with the desire to always come back at some point. Okay. And then, yeah, pandemic entered and it just felt like, okay, this if it's not now, then when's it going to be? So, yeah, just made the move. Wow, we're really glad to yeah. have you down here. Oh, thank <gasps> you. I'm so happy to be here. It feels like 
yeah, just such a beautiful landscape to reside in. I feel very fortunate. Do you feel like the landscape plays any part in your writing process now or, or makes your writing different in any way? Do you know, I don't know. And I think because I write so much about human nature yes. um, and humanity, it's it's a difficult one. I think it probably has affected my practice because I live, like you popped by the other day and you, you saw what a rural location yeah, I live gorgeous. in. Yeah. yeah, so I imagine it, it's it's affected my writing I don't know how it couldn't but I think once I've finished this book I'll have a better idea on how much it's affected it yes yeah what about you do you find that the landscape feeds into your your work yeah well it's really interesting actually to think of it myself because I I used to call myself a nature writer I still Mm. do that's an element of what I write but Mm. But weirdly, since moving down to Cornwall, the nature writing element has gotten less. And I found myself writing much more about people and about cities and about modern life. And it's mm. it just kind of I haven't really thought about it until now. But there is something curious in that. Although having said that, I'm currently editing a collection of poetry that is oh, so wholly returning to the sea time and time mm. again. So, yeah, I think the sea in that particular collection had a huge impact and I was getting mm. in the sea every well almost every day throughout the year and wow and it just kept calling me in the same way that the poems were and mm. and yet it is funny that when I came to the end of writing those poems yeah maybe that's it I just felt like I was ready for a completely different world then so yeah. I still will go out walking and the landscape plays a really important role to me in terms of giving me space to think about my writing or for ideas to come in mm. but I'm not necessarily writing about them anymore yeah, yeah. that makes sense Interesting. and wow I can't wait to read that collection about the Gosh, sea yeah. that sounds Need right to up finish my street. editing on that one <laughs> <laughs> Now, when you mentioned mentors earlier, I thought, my gosh, maybe that is actually what I need for this project because mm. it, it really came mm. to a bit of a halt. Yeah. And now getting back to it is difficult. And it's quite a, a personal process writing. I find the blocks that come in, it it can be quite hard to know what they're about, actually. And it can be easy to sort of say, oh, it's just time or it's just... Uh, money isn't meaning that I'm busy doing other things instead or something but actually sometimes it's there's another reason why you're turning away from a project it's so true and sometimes having that external input can help you realize what it might be you know whether it's technical or time or money or yeah emotional blocks or whatever it is that's stopping us yeah really interesting You, you were mentioning earlier about your work dealing with human nature a lot and I wonder Mm. how is it for you to be sharing your personal world Mm. publicly all the time in your work? Yeah it's something I've thought about so much over the years and I've had times where I felt such freedom in it it's been like the redefining of of a narrative like offering out for other people to you know, find themselves inside of this Mm. normalising of the human experience, you know. Here's my Mm. 
failure here's my triumph here's my heartbreak here's my love you know and other people being able to go oh great I feel that too which you know is has been so easy therefore to present my story and and equally I've had other times where I thought what am I doing why am I like telling people this really personal content of my life and it feels vulnerable and revealing and again it's a bit of a frustrating response but it's just both of them are true and I think both of them always will be but you know what propels me is the artists around me the poets the filmmakers the musicians who go there like it's always the ones who go there that I'm drawn to and I'm moved by and I'm better and I'm better because of it I'm a better human and so it's that that just keeps me showing up in the same way and um yeah but it's it's um I don't know how you feel about it but it's definitely something that I think I just keep experimenting with and I'm like oh I'll go there now and you know with poetry particularly we have so many techniques that we can use as well to kind of you know present things in a way that adds a little bit more layer like for example if I was writing a poem about something deeply personal I could change the narrator perspective or I could use simile or metaphor to kind of hide my meaning um what I'm working on at the moment is a lot more like okay here it is this is the honesty of it all or at least like a creative honesty of it all that um feels truthful to me at this point in my life and yeah it's super revealing but life's short and (laughs) yeah I just think someone's someone's got to my friend Jamie I remember he once said something like you take a hit as an artist for humanity. Like you, you just, you take a hit and mm. you say all the things that people think and feel but might not mm. want or or have the ability or desire or to say. And mm. I think it's just part of the job, isn't it? Mm, that's really beautiful mm. way of looking at it. And, and it's interesting, just here on the spot now, you're making me wonder how much... Uh, social media or, or internet presence has kind of changed ma- made us have to or not have to but made us potentially pull back and look at how yeah. vulnerable we're making ourselves and what people are thinking because when yeah. I rewind a bit just to starting to write in the first place writing as a child even and I never worried too much about what people would make of mm. me from my writing and from being extremely exposing or vulnerable. Perhaps that was naivety, but I'm also thinking perhaps there was not just hiding behind the literary skills that you can use, but also that you're hiding behind a page that you put yourself down on a page and Mm. then the page goes elsewhere to you Mm. and people can think what they like, but most often they'll be connecting it to themselves Mm -hmm. rather than you anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas these days, you put yourself down on the page, but also you put yourself out there publicly yeah. online, and it's easy for people to to keep on moving the writing back to you and away from themselves. Mm. And I think that, if anything, that 
makes me more nervous than I used to be about being as vulnerable and, and perhaps a bit more fearful of thinking people are going to judge me rather than use it to think about themselves or, or mm. think about anything else that they want to. Yeah, I think you've just articulated that so well. And yeah, I think I'm definitely more aware, you know, whereas once I might have been like, well, this is, it sounds very like, you know, bold what I'm about to say, but, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, you know, that thing of like, well, it's my duty as a writer to speak about these things. So whether Mm. it's politics or, you know, my personal story or you know, whatever it is. Whereas now I think there is a lot, it feels very loud. (laughs) The world feels very loud and there's lots of voice and there's lots of opinion. And I think there's a massive benefit, you know, to that. I think it's great that there are this elevation in many ways of people who didn't have the platform to speak. And so that's an incredible thing, but it is loud and it's, you know, it's it's um, it's harsh as well sometimes. Mm. And I think particularly when your medium is words and language and message, it's something that I'm just more aware of than I've ever been. What is mm. it I'm saying and why? And I just mm. constantly come to back to that. And I think for the past few years, I've just done a lot of listening and observing. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it, it's... You're, you're no longer active to what is being presented or that the work is still not being generated because it is. But yeah, yeah, I guess I'm just personally interested in, yeah, exactly. What is it I have to say amongst the noise and the sound? What needs to come out of me and what needs to be heard? No, I think that's really amazing. Uh, can't even think of the word I'm lost I'm wordless I'm speechless no it's just it's it's something that I think of personally often I think that's why I lost my words then because that's something I ask myself Mm. in personal interactions what am I saying and why but so think before I speak think before Mm. I act notice how I'm feeling and why I'm wanting to express how I'm feeling and how Mm. I'm going to express how I'm feeling and I guess it's a more of a mindful approach to living that I've been learning to take as I've been growing. And so I've never thought of applying that to my writing as well and thinking, Mm. actually, I can look at it in the same way. Mm. And it kind of comes back to what we were saying, you know, at the start of the conversation about stepping back from the words, going for the walk, you know, listening to people in a cafe chatting or whatever it is that then inspires the work and I guess it's a similar approach it's like well amongst amongst all this sound like let me get curious and Mm. listen externally and internally but yeah I'm definitely more aware than I have been in the past and yeah I wonder how how much does image or, or your writing personality play in your writing career or in your writing itself because you do have a a fairly decent online presence and Mm. yeah you have a lot of followers on Instagram and Mm. and you keep yourself active there and I I wonder Mm. yeah do you think about your image as a writer and how you want to present yourself and how that could 
play into it all? Um, I should probably think about it a lot more than I do. <laughs> um, I think what I do is I really merge the personal and the professional. And I tried for a while to separate the two, but it it just feels like they're one of the same for me. So any online presence I have, it is it is like, I'm not one of those people who is like photographing their dinner or nothing wrong with that. Some people make amazing food and I want to <laughs> see it, but, or like, yeah, I don't get too involved politically online. I tend to keep that for my creative work or, yeah. you know, for conversation. Um, but it, it definitely merges my personal and professional. So they're one of yeah. the same in terms of the content that I put out into the world. I guess I don't really think so much of an image, but I, I probably do have. Like there's, I did a gig recently and someone said, oh, you have a real um, like trademark of your books and your website. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, well, I worked with an illustrator and a web designer, very different. But so maybe there is something right. that, you know, I've definitely would say I've developed, um, you know, within my creative work, some kind of voice that hopefully sounds unique to me. And maybe I've done the same with my sort of persona and how mm. I'm perceived externally as well. Mm, I'm just thinking that that performance is quite an element yeah. of your work and so yeah. in a way how you are presented online or elsewhere is is a performance in itself so maybe you're yeah. a bit more used to that I agree performance and, and knowing I your voice in that because it was my route into creative writing spoken word was my avenue into it it's what right. excited me and it's you know, where I began, I think that's always going to be the thread through what I do. So, yeah, yes. I think yeah, I think you're probably right. And do, do you think of that performance element when you're writing? Mm, it's a really good question. I would say I used to when I'd write um, for performance. Yes, definitely. I was aware of, you know, tone and emotional range and pauses and audience whereas over the years I've seemed to write a lot more work that isn't always read aloud although often it, it is actually but um, it's not necessarily for a gig um, it might be for yeah a book or a magazine or something else not so much nowadays um, mm. but yeah I do think that is a difference. I think the strongest writers hold well on the page just as yeah. much as on the stage. But I do think there is a slightly different um, approach when you're thinking about writing for performance rather yeah. than just writing for um, yeah, writing for the page. You mentioned that spoken word being your route in. How, how did you discover spoken word and what, what pulled you in from it? I think as a teenager I I loved music and I'd sort of grown up loving books and escaping into books and so there was this world of language that I was really fascinated by but that was often like imagination based and fantasy 
And then as a teenager, I would listen to a lot of music, particularly hip hop. And then that was about storytelling and it was about like truth and identity and belonging. And so I think the emergence of those two things together um, led me down the route of like writing for expression purposes. Right. And yeah, I'm trying to think what was my first... I remember seeing Kay Tempest perform and I was maybe the f like 21 or something and I was just like oh my god who is this fireball of like energy and power and so yeah that that was something that just really struck me and yeah I always just found with spoken word this amazing ability to use language and the voice and the body in turn mm. to tell a story just so profound and that you'd have all different sorts of people on a stage, all different sorts of people in the audience. And mm. and it worked and, and it was accessible. And that was really exciting for me. I was like, great, this poetry is accessible in this space. Mm. And I do think it's become more accessible. You know, like Joelle Taylor, who's one of our like leading spoken words artists and an amazing human has just won the T.S. Eliot, which is a massive yes. deal. And yes. I just, I do think it's so much more like the crossover. I mean, it's, you know, there's no point in going into conversation about this because it's been spoken about so often, <laughs> but like spoken word poetry for the page, like they're just one of the same things. And, yeah. you know, there's just so much proof of that nowadays. And that's really exciting. Definitely. Yeah. And now you're moving on to memoir. Am I allowed to share that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm writing a memoir. And um, ugh, yeah, I'm. as I said, I'm in a good place with it at the moment, as in like, it's actually being written rather than me just talking about it over dinner. Yeah. Or um, yeah, wanting to write it, but not quite bringing myself to do to do so. But yeah, I'm working on a memoir. Is that something you'd wanted to work on quite a while? I know that you've got a art grant to do it. I wondered mm. whether that Arts Council grant was what directed you into thinking, okay, let me think of going in a different direction, or, or if this is something that had always been creeping at you, wanting to be written. So as, as a form, I think over the years, I've always expanded out from poetry. So... In my published um, my published work, I was always exploring like short story and flash fiction and you know prose poetry. Yeah. So I was always interested in okay, where else can I go with creative writing? And over the years, just became more and more interested in form on the page and the different ways I could present that. Yeah. And then yeah decided it It was a very natural shift like I started working more on kind of short stories and then decided actually I, I'd love some time to just immerse and work out you know is this a collection of short stories is this life writing is this a novel and so got this funding which was incredible and I'm very grateful for that 
And yeah, quite quickly I was like, oh, it's a memoir. And um, mm. even though I didn't want it to be, because I, I wanted it to, yeah, I wanted to just hide behind short story or fiction. Yes. And but at, I went for um, I went for some food in um, Porth Town with my best friend Hannah from school, and and she basically was like, no, this is a memoir. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> so um, yeah, just been working on that and. As I said, I've had the support of Kathy, my mentor, and yeah, who knows? Like, right now, I'm trying not to think too much about the end result and publication and all of that. I'm just trying to write for getting that story out there and onto the page and out of my my head and my heart. And I worry, I worry about what happens to it later down the line. If anything. <laughs> If anything, maybe nothing will happen, and this is just for the, the um, you know, the need to get this story down onto mm. paper. I feel like there's something really important about staying in that place of I don't know what will happen. I'm I'm staying with getting the story out because one of the questions I was going to ask you actually was whether you feel the pressure to keep on producing because I I know for me that once the success I hate using that word but the publication let's say yeah. comes in there's that feeling of okay so that's the end result that's mm. what I dreamed of and mm. and so now I'm going to aim for that and that's a, a huge aim that to me often brings back all the fear that we were talking mm. about at the beginning yeah. of this conversation and takes away from the way I used to write which actually never had any concept of what would happen with the work afterwards mm. was just writing for writing's sake yeah and it's I mean when you start when you make a living when it's your profession it how can you not be constantly thinking about the next thing you have to because yeah. practically you have to to pay the bills yeah. Yeah. um and also obviously it's you know something we're both so fortunate that we love it and it's our yeah. passion and you know all those other amazing things as well but yeah there is I think for the first time in all honesty and maybe Cornwall has a lot to do with this but you know life is different here like it's slower I'm you know so much um what's the word like I I'm a lot less busy than I've ever been there's a lot of I put a lot of attention and focus on things that I didn't before, you know, like going swimming or surfing or, you know, whatever it is. And alongside that, you know, lifestyle choices, there's also this focus in me of like, well, I'm going to take this time to write and I'm, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. And it's a whole new area of creative writing and I'm going to read lots of books by other memoir writers and I'm going to get a mentor and yeah. yeah it's it's it is humbling I'm kind of starting I'm not because obviously I'm I'm a I've been writing for such a long time now professionally yeah. but I am as well like and that yeah. feels um yeah it feels very unknown and great to not have the pressure of I have to write this for my yes. next and obviously I have all the fears too of like, well, what if I don't do anything with this? And what, yeah, like yeah. what will the next piece of work be? And would it be anything or, 
Yeah, all the fears come and go. Mm, but it sounds like a really exciting place, the, the place you're at currently and where, where when the fears go, that moment of being being given renewed sense of of coming to writing afresh again and, and being mm. a, a gifted that ability to go back to that place of the writing for writing's sake. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, what a wonderful thing to have been able to... Yeah, it really to. is. And I'm really, you know, the Arts Council have supported me so much throughout my career and and they have so many other writers I know and yeah to anyone listening I just really recommend them and you know there's other um curator actually funded for me to employ Kathy as my mentor who are an organization in Cornwall so Mm. you know there is there's stuff out there there are pots of money and you know, ways that we can get a bit of support to help us through, you know, Was that times. very much your way, your opening into being able to start working as a writer? Or Because I know at some point you were teaching at mm. Bath Spa and you've had your mm. work published, a few collections now. Mm. Uh, where did it all start coming together, the bit of making money, this is my living? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it started... It started when I was at uni and I just, you know, I used to perform poetry and then I think, I can't even remember who the first gig was with. It might have been Apples and Snakes, actually. And, you know, it was like, oh, you'll, you'll get 50 quid for to perform your poems. And I was like, oh, my God, this is literally the dream. Like, being paid to do what I love. Um, yeah, I just went from there. So, um yeah, that it's always been incredibly varied in terms of where those income streams have come from. Um, mm. But yeah, it's um, always yeah, just had that passion for it and that that desire to give my all to it, I suppose. And mm. yeah. yeah, and it I can really see when I when I read about your career and how varied it has been. I can see how it for you you have moved towards and away from what's coming towards you and and taken the different offerings and leaned mm. into them and and yeah it seems like quite an amazing way to keep on allowing your work to breathe and become fresh and experience new things and keep building on your own skill set as mm. well thank so. you before I let you go I wondered whether you could describe to me what your picture of the perfect writing life would be or maybe mm. just the perfect writing day. Mm, that's a good question. As in a, a perfect day in my life, if I sort of went to bed at night and I was like, oh, that was a great writing day. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it's going to start with some really a good sleep. So you wake up like refreshed from the night before. And then some nice coffee, it's such a cliche, but (laughs) some nice coffee, a really nice bright blue sky um, Mm. outside of the window, loads of sunlight streaming in. And yeah, I think that mix between the three things I'd actually love um, in my writing day is sitting down and writing and it just coming out and being like, yes it's you know it it feels like something is being said and released and I'm not constantly questioning every you know 
uh, full stop and capital letter. Yeah. Second, there is something of the sea involved in it, whether it's a walk or a swim or just something in which I get to, yeah, refuel myself with the water. And then third, some port of inspiration, be that, you know, listening to a podcast or reading someone else's work. I'm so inspired by the other mm. artists of this world. So, yeah, just something that inspires and reminds me why I write as well. And then, oh, yeah, maybe gorgeous. someone's going to make me an amazing meal and <laughs> give me a glass of wine at the end of it and massage my feet. That would be nice. <sighs> Why listening? Not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, thank you, Rebecca. I wish for you that that day will come soon. I'm sure it will be mm-hmm. around the corner. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and hear thank about your writing you. life. Thank you so much. It's been really nice to hear about your practice as well. And yeah, thanks for having me. Next episode is a conversation with the incredible novelist Patrick Gale who first moved to Cornwall in the 1980s and now lives on a windy farm near Land's End where he writes and tends to his infamous garden. Patrick's 17th novel, Mother's Boy, is out in March and I can't wait to talk with him about it. Click subscribe to hear when this episode is released and to help us share these conversations with others. You've been listening to the Writer's Block podcast. Find out more about the Writer's Block at thewritersblock.org.uk. Music and sound was by Jimmy Marshall from southwestsonic.com. Thank you for listening.